welcome to the Dental Deep Dive, where we dive into industry trends and best practices for optimizing your dental organization while providing the best possible experience and care for patients. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Deep Dive. I'm your host, David Danielson, and today I'm joined by Andrea Height. She's the previous state director and previous national director of community health. We're gonna dive deep into focusing on how to help dental organizations improve their outcomes. We're gonna also talk a little bit about improving overall population health. And then we'll wrap up really tackling some of the challenges of organizations trying to meet government standards. Let's take a deep breath and dive in. All right, so today, one of the great opportunities that we have being part of the Henry Schein family is that I get access to great people like Andrea Height. Andrea comes uh, to Henry Schein via being a dentist previously. She worked in uh, Tasmania as a dentist in the public health arena. And then she spent a lot of time here as a dental director. And so we're gonna take this opportunity to ask her some questions about some of the things that are happening currently in dentistry. And we'll talk about some of the challenges that are specifically facing public health. And we'll look at some best practices that we can tie into overall dental space. And as you know, the goal of our show every each and every week is to help people run a better practice. I mean, we want you to be more efficient, more effective. We want you to spend the time to understand things that you can learn best practices across the different dental domains and really be able to apply them uh, in your world. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here, Andrea. Thank you. And if you don't mind, why don't you do a quick intro about you and how did you get here and... How did I get it? 747. 747, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I married an American 39 years ago when I was five. Okay. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> um, but I have always been involved in public health, oral health issues, whether it's been in Australia or whether it's been here in the United States. So it's my passion. It's I believe in the importance of oral health as part of primary care. And I am absolutely delighted and honored by the fact that Shine gives me an opportunity to use my background and my skills to help programs with the many and deep challenges they have in addressing oral health issues, sustainability outcomes, and all of the other components that go with public oral health programs. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I, you hit a couple of things that, you know, right off the top of my mind. I mean, I don't think there's anybody who's not focusing on better outcomes this year. I mean, every organization I talk to, we all are laying down some goals. I see it more, even more so on the public health than I do on commercial dentistry. But I don't think there's anybody who's not really focusing on delivering better outcomes for patients. I would agree. And we see it, like you said, with insurance. It's not just public health, but it's a number of other areas within the market. And as we look at the triple aim of healthcare, where we're looking at improving population health, doing that cost effectively, and also making sure that patients have meaningful and valuable experiences that help them get healthier. Yeah. So uh, just a couple of months ago, 
I had the privilege of being in a meeting in Oakland, California with several general directors from community health centers. And we got onto this subject because one of the things that became very apparent to them in this discussion is how and where dental fits in the, pri- in the patient-centered medical home and in creating healthier patients and what the challenges are that are very specific and unique in this environment. And I thought today would be just a a really nice opportunity to talk about that and build on that with some ideas and recommendations and best practices. Yeah, that'd be great. I, you know, I, I think there's one of those things that part of the challenge is, is that we're not always in a meeting together, right? And so sometimes it's hard to get those, that knowledge out there. But we talk to a lot of public health, uh, you know, dentists and uh, dental organizations for that matter. And there are some very real struggles. I mean, why don't you talk to me about a couple of those struggles that they're dealing with right now? Well, one of the first ones you hear regularly is that if we would just call it all community health patients, one way or another. Yeah, let's call it We can just use that. Yeah, that's fine. Is that... Patients, they're more medically complex. They're more likely to have a combination of hypertension and diabetes and other heart problems and whatever else. So they've got those medical problems in the background. And on top of that, they tend to be more dentally complex. Mm. I was recently in another meeting where I asked about 30 dental directors how many dental extractions they do in a month compared to a private practice. And quite frankly, it's it looks like they do as many extractions in a day typically as the typical private practice dentist does in a month. So you've got clinicians and community health that have complex patients with very difficult, complex and challenging dental requirements as, as well. It's just not your average dentistry. So that is a big one. Then, of course, we combine that with other social problems. You know, as we look at community health programs, we've got to look at all of the things that come together that work sometimes against patients in their own best interest, whether it's resources, whether it's income, whether it is... Uh, mental health issues and basics like transportation. So it's really a complex uh, combination of things. And on top of that, then we've got to look at being productive, generating enough revenue for sustainability because we all know no money, no mission. So we've (laughs) we've got a situation where the dentistry is complex and enough has to be done to make the patients healthy and enough encounters have to occur and a treatment has to occur to make a program sustainable. It's a lot. Wow. It's really interesting that some of those things that you're tackling because that complexity is, it's hard for people to understand. Um, I know for some of my clients, you know, we're looking at multiple sources of funding. I mean, Mm -hmm. I really loved how you hit on that no money, no mission, right? And so we want to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to support those organizations. I do it on the software side, you know, because I'm a product manager for a dental software. 
uh, for Dentrix Enterprise. And I think it's really important that we're looking at that entire ecosystem, right? Yes. We're trying to say, hey, you know what? We do realize that UDS sealant reports are important and you, you need to know what that data looks like um, because you're tied, your grants are tied to that, your other funding things that you're doing. Um, and so those are some of the things that we start to look at and we take really seriously. Um, you know, we spent a lot of effort uh, working on stage three meaningful use certification this year because that's tied to some of our customers' ability to get funding to support their programs. And so it's a really important part of what we're trying to do is as an organization is we're trying to support the initiatives that are helping those organizations keep going. Um, you know, it, there's a little bit of advantage in working for a firm like Henry Schein because we get to be a little bit altruistic sometimes, mm -hmm. right? And right. so there's some things that we invest in that we know that we're not going to make money on. Like, I'm not going to make money on meaningful use. What I am going to do is I'm going to give the tools to, the, to those clinics so that they can go and, and create value there for the clinic to keep going. And, you know, that's a, that's a really cool opportunity, I think, uh, for being, you know, part of that Henry Schein family. And, you know, that brings us back to some of those other core fundamental items, which are, you know, what are, what are, what are some opportunities for, you know, community health centers in 2020? What do they need to be focusing on this year? Well, I think when we all look around, there has been so much question about, especially when we look at federal funding, is it in the budget? Is it approved? Uh, then, of course, you look at state Medicaids. Is adult dentistry going to stay in? If it is, how comprehensive will it be or how limited will it be? There are always so many variables around funding. One of the primary questions that's always good to answer is what do we do with our program? so that we structure it in such a way that it is buffered as much as possible against unknowns and variables. And sometimes people think they can't, mm. but there is a lot that can be done by understanding the market, watching what the federal and state governments are doing, and also implementing really lean, efficient, effective clinical practices throughout. So, for instance, if I get back to that conversation from a couple of months ago, one of the things that the dental director shared with me was a desire that leadership and community health really understood that dental, while part of primary care, is very different. And in order for it to be successful and to thrive, those differences and unique requirements have to be recognized, honored, and worked through. Mm. Otherwise, it creates stress, whether it is financial stress or even clinical treatment stress, which then makes the program vulnerable. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. What do you see as far as, I mean, what, what things are, are top of mind right now? I mean, obviously, we saw um, some of the changes like UDS sealant. Mm -hmm. didn't change this year. Right. That's good news for dental practices, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, there's less complexity there. What other things do you see coming that, that we need to have on the radar in the next, you know, two or three months? Well, I think we've got to always keep, you know, follow the money, yep. you know? We've got to keep an eye on what grants, what other funding is going to be coming out. But at the same time, we also know that certain funds can be fairly predictable. 
Mm. One of those, for instance, is children. When you look at kids and Medicaid and, and so on, kids are sacred. And so benefits remain for children. And we see successful dental programs making sure that they keep the percent of children within their clinical population really quite high. Mm. Some programs, I've heard them say, well, we've got dentists that don't feel really comfortable treating children. Children are fun to treat. It's much easier than you think. And there are so many more tools we've got <laughs> these days to be yep. able to do that. So that if you're looking at sacred pots of money like children and making sure they're being taken care of, plus we want a generation that is healthier, so we need to start young, as well as addressing adults, but making sure that we're keeping our patient mix uh, within areas where we can adjust based on whatever variables are thrown at us, that can make a huge difference. Mm. It makes a lot of sense. What do you think? It's interesting that you brought that up because you're looking at that population mix. And one of yeah. the things when we look at that, we're always, we're always looking at the community. And then when I was thinking about community, I was thinking about, you know, it's interesting the relationship between dental and medical. Uh -huh. And that because we're kind of starting to see more of a shared focus in the oral health programs across medical and dental. What do you see as important things to consider when you're starting to look at programs that are, whether they're attached to medical or they have a relationship to medical, what are important things for them to consider and think about? Well, this is where, when we really start to look at integrating care, we can change outcomes and we can change outcomes by also generating additional revenue. And it's really wonderful when what is good for the patient is also good for the sustainability <laughs> of the program. Yeah. We've got some superb examples where, for instance, hygienists have been inserted into the primary care team so that when mom comes in with kids, which is often the case because of lack of childcare, there's an opportunity to triage a subset of the family Mm. and provide various preventive and educational services right there in the exam room. So mom may be getting a checkup or the child may be getting a checkup, but along with that, uh, also dental preventive services, counseling are provided. So it makes it easy for mom. There's actually a little research that stated that when a mom has got children in a community health center, if she has to pack them up and move them across the clinic to mm. another specialty, it can take 20 minutes, yeah. which makes sense for any of us who are parents. We've all dragged children <laughs> around. Yep. So the idea of having the care come into the treatment room in one spot mm. to get those kinds of services done is really, it's a relief to mom. It's going to give guidance to mom. And what the program gets out of it is a couple of additional encounters which go to revenue, mm. which is a great example of good for the program, good, good for the for patient. The patient. Yep. Of course, this depends a great deal on practice acts. So depending on where any program is, they've got to look at what they can do with their, with their practice acts. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Would you say that things are getting more integrated or less integrated? I mean, we hear a lot about integration and consolidation, but you're in the trenches, you're talking to dental directors every single day. What are you seeing like in real life? 
we hear integration all the time. What is interesting is understanding what is meant by integration and sometimes even for the programs themselves. Uh, Something like integration can be a catchword and it's an important word, but what do we want to achieve with integration? And what are we willing to gain or give up to get to the most ideal position for a particular program? So for instance, when we're looking at, and this is where software plays such a big role, There are definitely areas where integration is important. For instance, having a unique patient record that is unduplicated has a great deal of value, both for following and coordinating patient care, which to me is number one, but also for being able to do reporting, not just UDS reporting or other federal reporting, but being able to undertake initiatives that may be particular to a population whether that is increasing oral cancer screenings or smoking cessation or vaping cessation or whatever it happens to be, it really starts with being able to well identify a patient no matter where they go within the organization. So that is one. Another really important area is being able to one way or another readily make sure that dentists have essential medical information, whether that is immediate access to the medical record or even a copy and paste of that information into the dental record or an HL7 interface. Mm -hmm. One of the issues, and I heard a story just recently where a dentist was so really upset because he'd extracted teeth on a patient with intellectual disabilities who was not able to convey their problem. And of course, they had a bleeding problem. Mm. And his frustration was if he'd had access to the record, he'd have caught that and it, he would have been able to mitigate that in a much better way. Of course, mm-hmm. he managed it really well. Yeah. But it's such a good example of the importance of making sure dentists know the problems, allergies, and medications. Of course, one of the great tools when we look at integrated care is being able to use tools like ePrescribe, where you've got feedback on patient prescriptions that will help you with things like interactions, things yep. like that. Perfect. So there's a lot of safety implications, right? And, yeah. And, you know, we hear the term red flag laws, right? There's a lot of things that you want to have at the, you know, provider's discretion so that they can say, wow, I have what I need to yeah. make a good decision for the health of this patient. And I think that, you you know, you hit on a lot of options there. I mean, there's different interfacing types. There's different levels of integration. And I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is, you know, continuing to evolve that process mm-hmm. and and make it, you know, even tighter and more integrated. Um, and and I think there's some value in in making sure that when we're looking at that integration, we don't. There's things that we don't want to give up, right? Exactly. And and I think some of those trade offs get complex sometimes, right? Because there's some things that you know on the surface uh, look fantastic, but you might be trading one set of advantages for a different set. Well, this different set might mean that you're seeing a lot less of your population because you're just not as efficient as you could have been. 
That is the balancing act. So when we look at integration, and and you stated that beautifully, is what do we need from integration? How are we going to use it? How is it going to help us enhance and elevate the patient experience, the patient treatment, the clinician's ability to do what the clinician needs to do without compromise to the actual oral health practice? Mm -hmm. And that's the balance. So, for instance, uh, I know about a dental director who being required to go to practicing within a medical, a more medical software mm-hmm. is finding that his team is stressed. And after one year, they're still at only 70% of the production they were at a previous the previous year. So when we look at what dental clinicians need, yes, they need that problems, allergies, and medications information. That makes a huge difference. There are a variety of ways to get that. Then they need actual dental tools that they really can't compromise on. For instance, one of the essentials is the dental schedule. Yeah, yeah, this, of this is the foundation for every day and for every day's success. And dentists tend to be very visual. They like to be able to look at a schedule and go, I'm here, I'm going to be giving an a seizure, then I'm going to go over here and do a denture adjustment, then I'm going to come back here and do the filling, then I'm going to go over here and do an exam. And they're thinking about their workflow. And that's part of what makes them effectively use their day with the result that they can see an optimal number of patients, they can provide quality care, and they can mitigate their own stress as they're strategizing in their minds about how they're going to flow between their patients. And that's really key. Yeah, yeah. I I see, I get a lot of similar feedback, which is there, there are some very different types of complexities that are attached to scheduling when we're talking about a dental schedule. Right. It, it doesn't work like other types of schedules and other types of software. And I think some of the challenges we bump into is that, you know, there's enough people, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of things that we hear in the industry. But then when we look at what's happening in those practices, you know, they're missing out on some key advantages that we need to make sure that are out there, right? And scheduling, I think, is one. Treatment planning is another. Mm -hmm. I mean, the treatment plans are so much more robust in dental. And it's very different than what you would see from a medical perspective, right? Robust and specific. Yep. Because in medical, for instance, if you've got a diagnosis, the next thing may just be a follow-up. Whereas in dental, each part of the treatment is prioritized based on what could go wrong if it's not handled within a certain time limit. Yep. You know, for instance, if someone needs a root canal, they don't need that three months from now. They need it as soon as possible because that infection is not going to go away yep. and it requires treatment. So, yeah, the treatment plan is so absolutely key to dental. And that has to tie in with the schedule. And then it needs to tie in with tools that make sure patients don't get lost in the cracks. Mm. And that's where it all has to come together with the software. Because there are really, you start with a patient, you want to eliminate that active disease and get them basically healthy. Now what we want to do is have them come back on a regular schedule to keep them healthy. 
And at any point, if the software doesn't provide the right tools, something can happen. You know, a patient calls and says, look, I'm scheduled for tomorrow, but I'm sick. I'll call you when I'm better. And then they don't call back. And if the software doesn't have systems for instantly capturing treatment plans that are unscheduled mm-hmm. or automating recare so that a recare schedule is instantly part of the patient's plan, then we start to lose patients in the cracks. And this is where we lose control of making our population healthier. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And I think that one of the things that we we focus on, you know, on, you know, in the world that you and I live in quite a yeah. bit in the technology world, is that, you know, not everything is appears at face value. There's a lot of things out there that I think, you know, as a community, that we're trying to do our best to share best practices mm-hmm. because there are certain best practices right now in what we would consider commercial dentistry that they are doing things to make those practices, that chair time, much more efficient. And we need to pull some of those things into that public health arena. And we do things commercially on the dental side because that is tied to practice profitability for those practices, and that's a big part of their driving force. So they, they push us on the technology side how do we optimize that in a better way? And that becomes an, a, an efficiency accelerator, I think, in the public health domain because we add things that they normally wouldn't have thought about um, because the flow for a practice is changing and it's becoming faster. And we don't want to you know, have that risk of the doctor not spending the time he needs to get to great patient care. So we're, we're trying not to compromise patient care and at the same time accelerate velocity. And I think, you know, finding that balance, you know, we find it in um, different types of applications. You know, I had a story where we have a customer that they bring in patients by the busload and they try and see two to 300 patients in a weekend. And when you think about that type of efficiency, you know, there's a lot of technology decisions that went into being able to handle those types of use cases. And, you know, we take that very seriously because it's, you know, you don't want to have that, you know, the fifth kid on the end doesn't get seen and he's the one that's most at risk for, maybe he's got a caries or maybe he's got something else going on that we want to capture and, 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 you know, start to provide the treatment maybe we don't even get to that patient because we weren't efficient enough. And, you know, one of the things that's on our mind is, you know, how do we continue to increase access to care for patients? I think helping the doctor be more efficient, helping him use his time or her time in a better way. And it's very gender neutral, trust me. And I mean, there's more female right. dentists graduating right now than there are male dentists. And I'm so I'm not trying to be gender specific, but I think there's something that we need to look at organizationally, whether you're in community health or in uh, commercial implementation, we, our job is to improve oral care across, across the globe. And, and I think one of the things that, that gets in our way sometimes is, is ourselves. And we, we don't realize that, hey, you know what, there might be a better way to do this. And I want to yeah. make sure that we get that information out and, and available to people. You know, and I think one of the myths that occasionally comes up is people sometimes think, well, efficiency 
working fast and lean is incompatible with quality of care when in, in fact they complement each other beautifully. Mm-hmm. I mean, all you have to do is think about an experience where maybe you've been in a dental chair and the dentist has asked for an instrument that has not been on the tray and the assistant has run off, had to run off for five minutes to find that instrument while you're lying there in the chair with your mouth open, which <laughs> is not fun. Mm. And this is where quality of care requires that there is standardization and process so that those kinds of experiences do not happen, which is efficient and also so much more pleasant for the patient. And so when we're also looking at where software and technology comes into play, we're also providing a platform where the clinical program can optimize how they utilize their staff as well Mm. so that the patient experience doesn't just fall to the time with the dentist, but really draws on all of the skills. Agreed. So, for instance, when we're looking at really efficient practice, like in DSOs, Mm -hmm. drawing on expanded duty dental assistance, drawing on limits of practice acts, and how hygienists work in the practice can enhance the patient experience and increase revenue at the same time. Mm -hmm. There is, when I ran my own dental program, there is a principle we kept in mind for work assignment, and that was that the person that was qualified to do the job, that was legally allowed to do the job, that had the skills to do the job, who was paid the least, (laughs) did the job. (laughs) <laughs> now, that sounds really basic, but we forget it. Yep. Um, but if we apply that, we start to look and go, well, a dental assistant should be doing all the cleanup and sterilization. A, hyg- a hygienist should not be doing cleanup and sterilization. A hygienist should be doing preventive care and things like that. Yep. So we start to make assignments that allow for more patient care more effectively and actually more meaningful experience with the staff. And where the electronic dental record comes in is the ability to schedule everybody and at the dentist in Mm. that kind of way to allow for the team to work together with the dentist supervision. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Are there, um, wow, you know, this has been such a rich conversation. I mean, we've talked about so many different things. Um, are there any other areas where you're like, you know what, these are things that I think people should know about right now. Are there any other areas you wanted to cover or talk about that you know could help dentistry in general? Well, I think just building on our theme for today, mm-hmm. looking at how we make decisions, for instance, about software or other practices that impact the dental program with an understanding that the dental clinician practices differently. So we want integration of care. We want integration of information. We also want to make sure that we do not add stress and burden to clinicians. Actually, what we want to do is the software should reduce or eliminate that. Mm -hmm. That the tools should be automated and accurate that help assure the diagnosis is correct, that the progress notes are correct, that the treatment plan is accurate, approved, reviewed by the patient as well. That scheduling, which is part science and part art, really reflects how the dentist works. Mm -hmm. 
And if we consider the fact that in a community health center, clinical overhead per full-time dentist is probably around six to seven dollars a minute. Mm-hmm. We start to think, goodness, if we can get an extra, if we can save 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there with efficient dental scheduling, we get an extra encounter and that gets to be very valuable. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, even those fine, you know, just fixing all of the little pieces along the way, yeah. gluing them together can create a substantial amount yes. of value. So as we look at quality of care, compliance, making sure the patient gets the care they need, avoiding churning, which is you know, not doing enough, making sure that the treatment planning is truly appropriate, grouped the right way, and reducing the clinician's stress while they're addressing all of those needs. Mm-hmm. We're going to have better taking care of patients. We're going to have nice, nice healthy clinicians, mm-hmm. and we're going to have a more sustainable program. Perfect. That sounds so great. I'm, I'm hoping we all get there, right? Good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we wanted to, to take advantage of. Um, we'll be continuing to uh, add more information and more value as we can. And uh, we're so glad that you could show up and participate, have our little chat today. Thanks, and, it was fun. Um, yeah, if there's anything that we can do for you, Andrea, let us know. And uh, we'll be con- continuing okay. to be in touch. Chocolate. Chocolate. There. I can work on that right now. <laughs> Perfect. All right. right, Thank you. Thank you for joining us. This was a great episode with Andrea Haidt. Join us next time as we go deep into the integration of medical and dental with our conversation with Mike Uritz. Mike comes to us as a active writer and editor for the Dental Products Report. He's also a national EHR expert. He's been in our industry for a long time, and he brings a lot to the table. We're glad to have him come and join us on their show. So join us in our next episode. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. This episode of Dental Deep Dive is brought to you by Dentrix Enterprise, the industry leader in practice management solutions for large practices that serve their patients in one or more locations. Thank you.